Warning, I was off last week, so I've been storing up a lot of profanity. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by ZipRecruiter, Dollar Shave Club, and by The Hail Mary. The purse so shinny that it's literally synonymous with desperate last-ditch effort with little to no chance of success. The Hail Mary. From the world leaders in bad behavior discouragement that brought you unpunished octanagerian pedophiles by the hundreds. And now, The Scathing Atheist. This is Jeannie in Vermont, and we did in fact evolve from filthy monkey men. So, practice, practice, practice. Safe for sex. Because face it, not all of us want to breed, or should. It's August 30th. And it's the day of my closings. Spare some change? Anyone got any? <laughs> I'm No Illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from New York, New York, Cincinnati Swing State, and Good Husband, Georgia, this is the Skating Atheist. On this week's episode, Adam Fannin blames not equal to X in the sum set for mass shootings. The Pope goes on tour with his lip sync rendition of Oops, I Did It Again. And Elmo will show us his dark side. But first, the diatribe. So I'm scrolling through the news feed of my phone the other day, and I see something about Barack Obama's summer reading list. And and I don't know, maybe I'm just feeling nostalgic about a president who could read. So I click on it and I take a look at his recommendations. And one of them caught my eye more than the others. Now, I'm not normally a big fan of memoirs, but one of the books on the list is a New York Times bestseller called Educated by Tara Westover. And it's a memoir by a Ph.D. historian who studied at Cambridge, despite being homeschooled by wacky, apocalyptic, conspiracy, nut, anti-medicine, Mormon fundamentalist preppers. She had never set foot in a classroom until she started her undergraduate work at BYU and had to learn stuff like the Holocaust really happened and the South was the bad guy in the Civil War on the fly. And that strikes me as my kind of book. And look, it's a memoir, so it suffers from the inherent restrictions of that genre, but it's a good read. It's phenomenally well-written, and her story is all kinds of compelling. And honestly, if the skeptical and atheist movements were like a superhero duo, this chick's parents would be our arch nemeses. Right. Her dad's this fundamentalist Luddite stockpiling bullets for the apocalypse and cutting the seatbelts out of his car because he can't drive no faster than God's angels can fly. And her mom's an all natural midwife that does energy healing and mixes essential oils instead of taking her kids to the doctor. So obviously this book gave me a lot of good reasons to seethe, but the biggest one is spelled out before you even get to chapter one. Quote, author's note. This story is not about Mormonism, neither is it about any other form of religious belief. In it, there are many types of people, some believers, some not, some kind, some not. The author disputes any correlation, positive or negative, between the two, end quote. Now, now don't get me wrong. I don't entirely dispute the author's note. I know of no correlation between religion and kindness, so I'm fine with that part. But the idea that lack of such a correlation somehow dismisses religion as the primary villain of this story is wildly unjustified. In 45 words, she exonerates the prime force behind her suffering, the institution with the foremost guilt in making it possible by pointing out that religious people are kind with the same proportionality as atheists. Now, 
This is a diatribe, not a book report, so I don't want to get too caught up in the specifics of the story. But the author goes out of her way to highlight a few people affiliated with the church that showed her great kindnesses and helped her pay her way through college that are clearly meant to counterpose with the crazy-ass dad that wielded religion as a bludgeon against dissent. But if you're not going into this inclined to forgive, you'll see that all of those kindnesses are just, you know, the least these people could do after dedicating their lives to the institution that entrusted dad with that bludgeon to begin with. I mean, look, Mormonism didn't make the dude bipolar. It didn't make him neglectful or abusive, but it did insulate him. You know, when this guy starts talking about angels that protect his family, he's got a well-funded international institution ready to pat him on the back and say they sure do once a week and twice a week if he'll let him. When he tells his daughter that rolling up her sleeves when she works in the yard makes her a whore, the Mormon church sure isn't coming to her defense. When he talked about the end of the world being right around the corner, they nodded along and cited passage and verse. But exacerbating her dad's mental illness was far from the only way the church plays the villain in this story. The church is also the group that works so hard to normalize the standards-free homeschooling to begin with. Not to mention all the work they do trying to eradicate the parts of a basic education that countermand their divine dictates even in the public schools. And when you add on top of that the antiquated misogyny about a woman's place being in the home, one can scarcely hope for a more direct literary villain in a story about the quest for an education. And yet she removes it from consideration even before the preface, excusing it on account of kind people also being fooled by it now and again. But even the acts of kindness highlighted in the book are suspect. I mean, if some religious leader at BYU bent over backwards to help her catch up on her education, that doesn't mean a hell of a lot if it was his religion depriving her of the education to begin with, right? And I I know this might seem like a small point to belabor, especially if you've read the book, but this is far too often the camouflage that religion hides behind. A corrupt institution with kind leaders is still a corrupt institution. The fact that they take money from poor people hoping to buy their way into a place that doesn't exist kind of takes the wind out of the soup kitchen sails. The fact that the church helps single moms is drowned out by their opposition to contraception and sex ed. In fact, the whole of helping the poor is suspect when it comes from religion. I mean, there are mountains upon mountains of evidence that religion exacerbates poverty both individually and societally. If religion really wanted to help the poor, they'd fold up shop and go the fuck home. The lies that they sell create way more poverty than their soup kitchens and gas bill programs can ever solve. So the very act of being a religion puts them in the net negative no matter how much charitable work they do. So yeah, good book. I'd recommend it, especially if you need a quick reminder as to why atheist activism is so important. But ignore the author's note. If the title of the book is Educated, the villain is always going to be religion. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are the Huey and Dewey to my Louis Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick. Fellas, are you ready to duck some shit up? If you need to have a corkscrew penis, then yes! <laughs> Abso-duck-and-lutely. Let's do it. Ooh-ooh. All right, well, while you picture the loops in Eli's dick, we're going to pause for a quick word from this week's first sponsor, ZipRecruiter. Hi. I'm Eli Bosnick, and I'm here to say that hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process, but not anymore. With Eli's Holistic Hiring, a division of naturalgreenmommy.com, I'll use the powers of intuitive resonance and crystals to match you with the right candidate. Eli, what are you talking about? Oh, hey, no, I'm I'm pitching my new spiritual hiring site. It's going to be awesome. But why would anyone use that when they could just use ZipRecruiter.com? Uh, uh, let's not use the Z word, Noah. No, seriously, ZipRecruiter is convenient, effective, and easy to use. They send your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. 
I mean, sure, sure, but can ZipRecruiter match you up with the right candidate using nothing but essential oils? No, because that's nonsense. But they can analyze every application that comes in and spotlight the top candidates so you never miss a great match. Right, but my my service has been clinically tested to be effective. Well, ZipRecruiter is so effective that over 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. Our success rate is also an integer. I don't really see the difference, honestly. And if right I... now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash scathing. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash S-C-A-T-H-I-N-G, ZipRecruiter.com slash scathing. Or, or you can spend money with my service, ZipRecruiter. The smartest way to hire. Okay, no need to attack me. And now, back to the headlines. In our lead story tonight, we have some follow-up news on the terrifying, unconscionable, enormous list of pedophile priests in Pennsylvania who were covered for by the Catholic Church and the even larger list of victims. Mm -hmm. And also the similar lists for every other geographical location in the world that has Catholicism. <laughs> right. And also pretty much any other organized religion with any power. <laughs> but in particular, the Catholics, because the Pope apparently thought about his initial response of exhaling medium loud and <laughs> decided that wasn't enough. So now he's doing a worldwide tour of Exhaling medium loud. Yeah, right. Yeah. This dude makes BP Oil's PR guy look like John Hamm. <laughs> right, the Pope's calling BP. Hey, you guys got a PR guy that specializes in unauthorized emissions, right? Help us out. Call the army. You guys have a dishonorable discharge guy? <laughs> That'd be perfect. So uh, before we get to the details of Pope Frankie's verbal solution to pedophile cartels, it's worth mentioning one other high-ranking Catholic leader who also thought some words would speak louder than the previous words, which weren't that loud. So uh, no need for action yet. That's and, the key. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, talking about Mexican Cardinal Sergio Obeso Rivera, who got all the feet and underage dicks out of his mouth to say the following <laughs> last week. Quote, I'm here happy to talk about nice things. Not about problematic things. Oh, it's an accusation that is made. Yeah, I'm glad. So you know, yeah, he's, he's cool. Right. With, he's cool if we discuss the happy parts of this. Yeah, great. <laughs> Thanks. So continuing, it's an accusation that is made, and in some cases, it's true. But the evil of many is the consolation of fools, because sometimes those who accuse men of the church should be careful, because they have long tails that are easily stepped on. End quote. Fucking so. Uh, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. Did he just say that attractive kid asses are like cats with long tails <laughs> in your house? I mean, honestly, you are a demon with a tail is way better than, yeah, but what about that time you stole a cookie? So well, right, yeah, I mean, what better <laughs> demonstrates their refusal to admit the horror of this scandal? Like a priest saying, yeah, a lot of you people have done worse. no. No, the list of living people who have done anything worse than this is eight people long and five of them run Myanmar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, all right, getting back to Pope Francis, one of the first stops on the uh, oops tour was Ireland, where there's been literally centuries of abuse that's still being covered, including plenty of 21st century stuff. Yeah. 
And during a speech in Dublin, the Pope really underscored how he feels super duper bad about all the kid raping. So that that was nice. Uh, He also added, quote, I'll be making a greater commitment to eliminating this scourge on the church at any cost, end quote. Except for the cemetery fund. They need those those big rocks. The budget for big rocks is big, you understand. uh But regardless of the money, what the fuck did he mean by greater commitment? What level of commitment was he at until now in terms of stopping my employees from fucking little kids? Like, why was there a throttle for that with multiple settings? Are you kidding me? That's it. No more three-strike policy. We are now a zero tolerance for well, the kid but, fucking. But that's the as if it's not bad enough. There is no now. This was in the future tense, right? So he not only is uh, he admitting that there's more he could do, he's also admitting that he isn't doing it yet. He's like in the planning stages of doing more. We're forming a committee to think about throttling up on yeah. this. What the fuck? Yeah, so... Hopefully, all his speeches end with a whole bunch of audience members being like, <clears throat> do a thing, <clears throat> do one single thing, one real thing, do a real thing. Although, you know, that might have happened already, and he might have taken that to mean, explain how there's blame on all sides. Because yeah. uh, during the flight back from his Dublin speech, the Pope told reporters that parents of gay children need to get psychiatric help for those kids. Because, you know, it takes a village to... Not rape a child. Parents need to do their part to help out the, the priests yeah. in the, the, right. the not raping right. plan. And honestly, Heath, nobody who wants real things is still Catholic. It kind of <laughs> goes against the whole point. No one's, no one's coughed speaking. True. All right. And in a related story, oh, okay, in the same story, but I also want to talk about what an asshole the Pope is. The aforementioned trip to Dublin was newsworthy for more than just a half-assed child rape apologetics because it looks like seven decades plus of documented child rape plus a few uncovered mass graves has really put a damper on the Pope's draw these days, which resulted in a series of Trump inaugural photos showing some 125,000 people milling around on a lawn meant to hold more than half a million. Okay, okay, but the whiteness of the Irish makes them look smaller. No, that's true. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I want Barack Obama to just follow the Pope around on his fucking tour, just having way bigger crowds right across the street at every event. <laughs> just like blasting the Muslim call to prayer yeah, for spite. And like <laughs> the Lion King. <laughs> now, a big part of this feeble turnout can be attributed to an organized effort by a group calling itself Say Nope to the Pope, which said about gathering tickets as soon as they were released and then not showing up. Now, more than half a million tickets were made available, and while nobody knows how many Say Nope to the Pope managed to hoard up, we also know that nowhere near the half million were given away, so just not doing that probably would have had the same effect, as it turns out. (laughs) Yeah, it's not like they were like, weird, the wait list for this event is 400,000 people long, but... You know, you never know if fuck you rapist party of 250,000 is going to show up. So we'll just we'll just send everyone waiting outside home. I right. guess. And in sincerely held chattel news, we might have finally found a difference between Democrats and Republicans. No way. Ooh, Twitter exciting. told me that's impossible. Yeah. Oh, well, small thing, but I feel like it's worth mentioning. And um, it's humanhood for the human beings. Huh. That's actually a distinguishing factor. Between those okay. two. Okay. Yeah. Well, good headline, Heath. Short but sweet. And in Kate's <laughs> no savior news tonight. Uh, you want to? No, you do more? You'll do more. Okay. Okay. No. More. So, so here's how it works. So, <laughs> turns out that gay people and trans people and everyone else that Christians have 
very confusing dreams about. <laughs> they were all going to be staying on as full status human beings if Hillary Clinton got elected. Sure. But yeah. not so much with Trump. And yeah. uh, so the jury's still out on letting those people buy food. Yep. As we learned in the Masterpiece Cake Shop ruling last spring. So that's why their bigot owner over at Masterpiece Cake Shop, Jack Phillips, is suing the Colorado Civil Rights Commission again. This time for trying to make him treat a trans person like a person. Okay. So the ruling judge needs to be like dressed up in duck blinds. <laughs> <just> like, <laughs> okay, now. Nah. Ask him to treat people like humans real nice. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, getting a Christian baker to follow the law is like giving a cat a pill, right? Is you like you, you got to keep sweet and talking no matter how pissed you are and everything. <laughs> Hold his mouth closed. He's waving it back and forth. <laughs> well, okay. Do so I, we don't recommend doing that and not sending us video or doing it and sending us. We don't recommend either of those things. Put a Wing. pill up a Christian Baker's butt. <laughs> <laughs> I sang it, so it's a joke. <laughs> Andrew, I sang it, so you can't get mad. Not Just, talking, can't get mad. <laughs> so, here's the, uh, here's the background on the new lawsuit. In June of 2017, on literally the same day that the Supreme Court agreed to hear whiny bigot v basic human rights, the original <laughs> one, a woman named Autumn Scardina ordered a birthday cake from Masterpiece and got refused. She wanted it blue on the outside and pink on the inside to also, in addition to her birthday, celebrate the seven-year anniversary of when she came out as transgender. But apparently that would have violated Phillips's religious liberty of birthday cake color schemes that match your original <laughs> penis count. <laughs> It's, uh, it's in the Bible somewhere. It's yeah, an important it's, religious it's, liberty. Right. That's and uh, Phillips is uh, also arguing that it would have been compelled speech. Uh, I guess he would have been forced to make that cake and then walk into the street and shout, I provided food for trans person <laughs> on the day that was a, a multiple of 365 beyond the announcement of her identity. And it was compelled to say that to everybody <laughs> just now. And uh, yeah, he didn't want to make that speech because... It, the, the math was tricky because <laughs> right, of the leap year. No, I get it. Oh, uh, yeah. OK. OK. So how do we settle this? Because uh, uh, is it a sincerely held belief off? Like how much he loves Jesus versus how much this lady is a chick? Like, they, they, <laughs> go at him. All right. One, two, three, go. A lot. A lot. Ah, Damn it. Damn it. Uh, Ty goes to the baker again. No yeah, rights so, for you. <laughs> fuck. Yeah. Thanks to Donald Trump's replacements for Scalia and Pretty soon, Kennedy, the Supreme Court is basically making the 14th Amendment optional if you're Christian. And most of the other laws, too. Yeah. Apparently. Especially the ones since the Civil War about people being people. That seems to be a theme they're going yeah. for. And they didn't even need new justices for that last cake shop ruling. Yeah. They, they right. could have said, fuck the gay people with nothing but goddamn liberal turncoats to outvote Ginsburg and Sotomayor, who are the only two who voted in favor of gay people being people on that one. But... Now they've got Gorsuch and almost Kavanaugh. So bottom line, everyone who didn't vote for Hillary Clinton in the general <laughs> owes the entire LGBT community a lifetime of weeping apologies. Yeah. I, like, I want to hear about this happening. Do it right now. Like, call everyone you know that you helped marginalize and start bawling your goddamn apology. Amen. And donate to a cause of their choice. Um, 
top of my head, maybe whoever runs against Trump in the general next time, you fucking idiots. <laughs> and fucking vote better. You did this. You did this. There's no way around that. You helped this happen. Okay, Heath, going to save you a few tweets here. Uh, address any and all you'd like. What about non-voters? Vote shaming does nothing. Why didn't Hillary personally ask me how to run the country in 2016? <laughs> there we go. I think I covered uh, oh, Okay, hey, hey, uh, let me throw out non-voters are included in people who didn't vote for Hillary. If vote shaming did nothing, you wouldn't physically be able to tweet me this. And if you didn't vote for Hillary, your opinion on how to run the country is obviously too misinformed to take seriously. I could do this all day. <laughs> and, I, and now I will, because thank you, Eli. Now I will. But I get to read the threads. And that's what matters. <laughs> And in Maine, bad guy news tonight. Christian schools in Maine are seeking to take advantage of Christians having more rights than everybody else in a recent lawsuit demanding that taxpayer money be spent subsidizing the tuition at religious schools. That's right. Not the playground surface, not the storm damage, not the sidewalk out front, but the straight up now just give us money for Jesus part. Just fuck. Sitting at the bottom of slope, covered in lube. Okay. The guy at the top of the slope made some really good points, though. <laughs> My offense. Oh, also, uh, real quick, here, here's the bill for the slope insurance. It's, you, you need, it's uh, kind of irresponsible. You haven't had that already. Here, you need this now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So here's the rub on this one. The state of Maine actually does pay for private school tuition for students that live so far the fuck out in the middle of nowhere that there aren't any public schools. And Maine actually has quite a few of those places. But that program only extends to secular schools because, you know, the Constitution. But since the Supreme Court revealed the Establishment Clause to be the surprise optional amendment last year, I really don't see how schools lose this one. Unless, of course, Ruth Bader Ginsburg finally goes Super Saiyan. And we've all been waiting for that. Oh. Okay. New fantasy. Hillary runs and wins in 2020 and packs the court entirely with RBG clones. Right? <laughs> that is an old fantasy, man. Pornhub does not get me like you do, Eli. They just don't get me. Either way, I want to see RBG in a Krang suit until that fantasy becomes a reality. Yeah, there you Full, go. Absolutely no Krang question. Very, Iron Maiden. Very least. Now, this lawsuit is brought by two groups, a conservative group with the Orwellian moniker First Liberty Institute and a libertarian group with the Orwellian moniker A Libertarian Group. Because, look, I mean, say what you will about the merits of libertarianism or lack thereof. These guys are definitely doing it wrong, right? Anyway, the lead counsel for the schools justified the suit by saying, quote, by singling out religious schools and only religious schools for discrimination, Maine violates the U.S. Constitution, end quote, which in being both the exact opposite of true and a religious question, makes it a slam dunk at the Supreme Court. Because, you know, when it comes to being diametrically opposed to the obvious intent of the First Amendment prohibition on religious establishment, you can always count on an originalist. But, of course, we didn't want to leave any stone unturned, so we headed over to our attorney and host of the Opening Arguments podcast for his opinion. Hey, Andrew, how's it going? Hi, Andrew. Andrew, hi. hi hello, Andrew. Uh, gentlemen, before I open the door... I need you to know there are four beanbag chairs on the floor of my office. That's one for yeah. each of you plus an extra. Is that okay? Okay. Yeah. Yep. yep. Got yep. it. Got it. One yep. beanbag. Four. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to open the door now. Dibs on the extra beanbag. I call no, it. No, I get the extra I beanbag. The extra beanbag. Stop. No, Stop. no. One is which. Heath ripped, Heath ripped your big Eli broke your chair. chair. He broke he, your chair. Eli Heath broke ripped it. it. Eli broke your chair. It's my fault for trying. I forgive you. I forgive you more, Andrew. I forgive you extra than Eli. Thanks anyway. Plus five. Gen gentlemen, how, how can I help today? 
Uh, well, in light of this thing in Maine, this lawsuit, Heath and Eli had an idea, and I, I was outvoted on the decision to show bring him it my to sheet. You. Show him my sheet. I colored it. I colored with, the sheet. With, he colored it with my crayons. Shut guys, up. guys. Doesn't matter whose crayons it was. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's let's take a look. Official proposal for the opening of this scathing atheist school for will fuck your dad. All right. Well, Andrew, thanks for your time. I Yeah. Anytime. Guess I signed up for this. Fine. Bye, Andrew. I brought you a present. This is my lawnmower. Yep. Bye. I reported this missing six months ago. <laughs> and with another one of Eli's dreams duly dashed, we'll pause for a quick break and hand things over to my lovely wife, Lucinda. A man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she was. If it's a legitimate rape. It makes you a slut, right? It, cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in Massachusetts. One nice thing about aligning myself against religious institutions is that they suck at almost everything. And it's nice to know that the people you're fighting against can't do much of anything without fucking it up. So I figured this week I'd highlight a few stories of religion doing it wrong. Let's start with a thing they tend to get the wrongest of all, feminism. This comes to us via Christian blogger named Bernadine Barber, who took to the interwebs to explain how feminism almost ruined her marriage. Of course, she clearly has no fucking clue what feminism means, but as far as I can tell, her reasoning was that she hated her husband and feminists hate men. Ergo, feminism nearly ruined her marriage. Over and over again in her blog, she talks about not knowing her place in the world and being resentful to her husband for making her be a mom, which she blamed on feminists hijacking her maternal instincts. Now, as you read through it, it's really hard not to think, have you never heard of postpartum depression? because that seems to be exactly what she's describing. Of course, given Christianity's full court press against mental health issues, I guess the answer is as likely no as yes on that one. So yeah, sometimes religion's inability to understand anything or do anything right works against us, but sometimes it works out to our advantage. For example, consider the story of Annie Furman Wise, a Pennsylvania mom who got home from the grocery store and found a graphic anti-abortion pamphlet had been stuck into her groceries. Apparently, some rabid zealot was just stuffing the pamphlets into boxes at the grocery store so that people could be surprised by them later. And as desperate and stupid as that tactic is to begin with, it gets decidedly stupider when the box you sneak them into is a box of diapers. Pretty sure the person picking those up decided against the abortion. But doing shit wrong and stupid doesn't just waste their time and money. Sometimes it works directly against them. Like my final story today, which comes to us from Hemet Meta over at the Friendly Atheist blog. It's the story of a censorship backfire out of Holy Family High School in Colorado. So apparently in Catholic schools, you can have altar boys and girls, but it's up to the local church leaders to decide whether or not to be gender inclusive. And in this high school, for a while, they had both. Then a change in leadership left them with a dude who rescinded that policy and instituted a penis-only order. In the wake of that, a reporter for the school newspaper interviewed the priest that made that call, one Joseph McLegan. And during that interview, he made himself look like such a jackass misogynist that the school elected to axe the story. And it would have worked out for him, I guess, except that the faculty advisor for the school newspaper got fired over the controversy, which means she was under no contractual obligation not to talk about it publicly anymore. 
which means that now, instead of a handful of students in some Colorado high school reading about this, I'm reading about it. Way to narrow the scope, Father McLaughlin. So, yeah, I know the segment doesn't normally imbue you with a a lot of hope for the future, but whenever you feel overwhelmed by the odds we face, just comfort yourself with the fact that the people on the other side are, generally speaking, really fucking dumb. And on that happy note, I'll hand things back over to Noah, Heath, and Eli. Thank you, Lucinda. And in mass shooting news tonight, Baptist preacher and man who looks like if Screech found Jesus, Adam Fannin, knows just who's to blame (laughs) for this past weekend's mass shooting. That's right. Craft beer and video games. Craft beer? Craft beer. Chris Farley's at a bar like we switched out his Budweiser for a local craft (laughs) lager. Let's see if he notices. I'm Chris Farley. Love a good Budweiser. You son of a bitch. Murder. Like what? Why? Craft beer? Yeah, craft beer. So in a sermon that blamed literally everything but guns this past week, Fannin made it clear that video game tournaments and bars are, quote, antichrist religions. Mm -hmm. Jacksonville has given up Jesus for the Jaguars and that the Pope is a pedophile. He was really all over the place, is what I'm saying. (laughs) I mean, I get how you could blame mass shootings on, like, on the Jack Del Rio era Jaguars, but they're pretty good this year. (laughs) They're looking nice. But here's my favorite quote from the rant. Quote, you knock on somebody's door when the Jaguars are playing. Oh, man, let your name be a curse if you stop their game. Well, yeah. (laughs) If they don't have a DVR, they won't even answer the door. Solid 46-second pause. (laughs) The Faguars. Yeah, no, he was super proud of that one. Oh, Solid wow. forty-seven second pause. <laughs> it's a watch the video of only for him, like waiting for a standing O and not getting it after Faguars. <laughs> he continues. Listen, I pray that God would collapse that stadium. God is cursing Jacksonville because they have propped up an idol of football, and they would rather bow down to that and worship that and get drunk to that than go to church and obey God. Why do mass shootings happen? It's because people reject God's law. They reject God. They're being selfish. They're being devilish. They would rather do what they want to do instead of what God wants us to do. End quote. Yeah, so your religion is even worse than being a Jaguars fan. I would not point that out when I'm under oath, bro. (laughs) (laughs) And in context, clueless news. Mid-August came and went. And that's why it was finally time for Donald Trump to hold the 2018 late August Theocracy Gala at the White House on Monday. The stated purpose of the event was to honor the contributions evangelicals have made to American life. And with the revelation that organized religion was responsible for about a thousand new underage sexual assault victims that we didn't know about yet, uh, it was time to sit down with some prominent religious leaders and figure out how to get them more governmental power. Right. Good party. He's just like, okay, guys, I hear you. And the buddy system at playgrounds. That's important to everyone here. Does anyone have anything else? I just like, I get it. We're doing it. Yeah. So uh, I'd like to think the Pennsylvania Catholic Church's amazing work wasn't the contribution they were honoring at the big theocracy event. Uh, Hopefully it was something far more positive, like the way Jeff Sessions used the Bible to justify stealing Mexican babies or something like that. Something positive. (laughs) But regardless, the dinner did allow us to watch the president try to use a John Adams quote. 
and then get forced to cut it short when one of his aides clearly realized the entire second half of the quote was somehow a direct roast of Donald Trump himself, written by Adams in 1800, presumably right after he parked his time-traveling DeLorean outside of the White House. Here's the exact words from Double Agent Orange, reciting from John Adams. Quote, I pray heaven to bestow the best of blessings on this house, end quote. Except but, but, that yeah. was not the end of the quote. The whole thing altogether says, yeah. I pray heaven to bestow the best of blessings on this house and all that shall hereafter inhabit it. May none but honest and wise men ever rule under this roof. Actual end quote. <laughs> Donald, talking to you. Step down, Donald. Come on. <laughs> I'm John Adams. <laughs> and uh, just to be clear about John Adams, despite being raised Christian in the 18th century, he did not support any kind of religious influence over the government. In no. fact, Adams was a Unitarian and about as close to atheist as you could get at that point. After hearing a pastor use the bullshit mysterious ways argument when they're talking about the Trinity, Adams wrote, Thus, mystery is made a convenient cover for absurdity. That's one of his famous kind of mm -hmm. atheist, pretty, pretty atheist quotes. And when he was president, he signed the Treaty of Tripoli, which said the government of the United States is not in any sense founded on the Christian religion. Don't talk about this in the future, David Barton. Yeah. And, <laughs> and when he wrote the prayer that Trump used, I'm guessing he also added, fuck you, Donald Trump. I'm standing right behind you. Turn around slowly so I can stab you in the eye. But... <laughs> Then Doc Brown made him erase it so he wouldn't fuck up the uh, space-time continuum. There's no way Doc Brown got to him in, in time, right? You, you cannot convince me this isn't the fucked-up version of the space-time continuum where Marty just fell off the fucking building. Biff is president in this one. It's true. Biff is president. <laughs> Biff is president. And in Hella Rubella fella news tonight, Islamic authorities in Indonesia wanted to make it super clear that their religion is even worse than Jenny McCarthy, so they issued a fatwa against the MMR vaccine for containing trace amounts of forbidden substances. So the bad news is that more Indonesians will die from fully preventable and nearly eradicated diseases. But the good news is that they'll still get their milk rivers and golden couches when they do, because Allah hates trace amounts of pork in human cells more than he hates diseased babies. I mean, Anyone else picturing ISIS trying to behead a hypodermic needle? <laughs> Stopper keeps falling out of the tube. Damn it! I, or did I do it? I don't know. It's, ah, it's hard. Uh, we'll, we'll give it lethal injection with another needle. Oh, fuck! I fuck! This is hard. I can't get the tips to lie. Ow, I stabbed myself. Hey, this oh, is no. Gay. I feel oh, like you have some gay. pork in you now. Now, I should be clear here because, you know, a lot of times we highlight uh, silly and dangerous fatwas on this show, and, and they're ones that come from, like, some dude buried in the Iranian bureaucracy somewhere. They don't have much of, of an effect on the world. Um, the fatwa against oceans for making ladies wet and cucumbers for making men feel inadequate later didn't cause great societal shifts or anything. But this one is not like that. This fatwa comes from the MUI or Indonesian Ulama Council, which is extremely influential in national politics. In fact, you know, a fatwa they issued was recently well. used as evidence in court to convict a Christian governor of blasphemy. Yeah, these guys are so important that when they do it, it's actually called a near twa. <laughs> I feel like that would what? be a skinny twa, yeah. but yeah. Not fa, twa, far, 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 near twa. Yeah, sure. And finally tonight, in something blue news, a 21-year-old Mormon blogger took the internet by storm this week when she dumped her fiancé for watching porn. Yeah. 
<laughs> yes, in a post titled, this is real, Understanding Betrayal Trauma, Part 1. <laughs> this is my betrayal trauma. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Blog, it's so, she's the perfect satire. Claire Dalton laid out the horrible ordeal she went through upon learning her fiancé looked at boobies. According to the post, quote, Three words on his search bar that changed my entire view. Three words that concluded he'd been searching for pornography, possibly just hours ago. <laughs> so, End quote. How would she know the time? So, wait, so what are we thinking? Big booty bitches? Like, what is... <laughs> I'm uh, going one of the three words. Maybe. Okay. Uh, John. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yes. See, I was just thinking... New incognito window. What the fuck's wrong with this guy? <laughs> so Dalton then proceeded to call each of their 300 wedding guests oh, to tell Jesus them that the wedding was Christ. off because of her fiance's porn addiction. <laughs> and then, of course, she wrote a viral blog post about it that 90% of the Internet pissed themselves laughing at and then went back to watching porn. So really, she did not. Right. Well, I mean, except for the people who are watching Omarashi, in which case the blog fucked up their sesh. <laughs> yeah, fair. Yep. They, they pissed themselves. You're supposed to hold it. All right. So, like, I, I told my wife about this story and she's like, who the fuck would want a husband that doesn't watch porn? What, I'm supposed to go out and get seduced by lesbian nurses three times a week? What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> now, I brought this story up for two reasons. The first is, and I swear this is true. I've seen some bizarrely sympathetic, like, hot takes on this woman around the internet that, like, run along the lines like, well, that's her faith, so to her, the betrayal is real, to which uh, we'd like to heartily answer bull fucking shit. Like, <laughs> if this chick was a dude who broke up with her girlfriend for for leaving her menstruation hut a day early, we'd all be <laughs> rightly united in calling her out for the emotionally abusive piece of shit that she is, but because the media doesn't want to call out church-funded propaganda machines like porn the new drug, which, by the way, is the thing that helps spread this woman's fucking blog in the first place, I have to turn on and read mainstream takes on this shit that read like, some people prefer chocolate, and some people think porn shrinks your brain <laughs> and is worth canceling a wedding right. over. <laughs> Look, of course, this heartless bitch is brainwashed by her religion, and as a result, she has all the sympathy I'd give a Catholic priest in Pennsylvania who thinks he's halfway between man and God. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm sure this seems like a terrible thing for the dude at this moment, but if you're listening, bro, it could be a lot worse. She could have, <laughs> for example, not called off the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but there's another reason I chose this story this week, and that's because Dalton's blog, I swear this is true, is called Chronically Beautiful Life oh. because of, that's oh. right, oh. her chronic <laughs> Lyme disease. <laughs> Oh, no. 100% real. 100%. So, yeah, uh, for the new listeners, uh, chronic Lyme disease, that's not a thing. Nope. Um, but that doesn't stop me from being able to fuck it away. And, <laughs> and in this case, film it. So, Claire, call me. We kill two birds with one stone, get your marriage back together, make some good video. Everyone wins. And while I draft a preemptive email for new listeners explaining how that's a running joke that just sounds like a threat of sexual assault, we're going to close the headlines for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Near toi. <laughs> when we come close back. Close to us, toi. We are close to the toi. <laughs> and when we come back, the Bible will be here to suck. Hi there, listeners. 
I'm Eli Bosnick, and I'm here to tell you what I do in the bathroom every single morning. Eli? Don't do uh... What? No, that's the copy for Dollar Shave Club. It says to say what I do okay, in the bathroom. Yeah, but every... we know what you do in the bathroom every morning. I feel like they're talking more about, you know, like shaving and stuff like normal people. Well, Keith, Dollar Shave Club is about a lot more than shaving. No matter what you do in the bathroom to get ready, Dollar Shave Club has everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. They have amazing shower stuff, hairstyling products, toothbrushes, toothpaste, and of course, razors and shave supplies. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to talk about something else that you did in the bathroom. I mean, I never said where I was putting the toothbrushes. Wow. Okay. So I feel like they wanted us to talk about how smooth their amber and lavender body wash leaves your skin feeling or how convenient their shave butter is or or how great your hair looks when you use their boogie specific pomade. Hurtful. Didn't have to bring up the hair care products. Two votes. Well, look, everybody has their own way to get ready. But no matter what you're getting ready for, Dollar Shave Club has you covered. No matter what you're getting ready for? I was talking to the audience, Eli, not you. Ah, gotcha. Okay. And right now, you can get ready with an amazing deal on any of their starter sets. I personally recommend the Daily Essentials starter set because I love the Amber Lavender Body Cleanser. But you can't go wrong with any of them. That's right, Heath. Just head over to dollarshaveclub.com slash scathing to pick up your own DSC starter set for just $5. After your starter set, products ship at regular price. And make sure you check out their new video, too. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash scathing. dollarshaveclub.com slash scathing. Hey, uh, apropos nothing, do either of you have a really narrow set of tongs? Um, how narrow? I mean, not that narrow. You know, narrow. Good, good (laughs) narrow. As we journey ever deeper into the Bible's first section, questions like, did that story happen already? And... Why do they keep listing their kids come up quite a bit? But if the question that comes up for you is why there aren't funny voices, we've got you covered on this week's installment of Bible Peace Theater. And so it was that Sarah, wife, sister of Abraham. Half sister. uh, Not better. Did die at the age of 127. Finally. Hear me, people of Heth. I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me possession of a burying place with you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. Oh, my God. Jesus, what is that? He's just swinging it around. If it is be your mind that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat for me to Ephron, the son of Zohar that he might give me the cave of Machpelah. Oh, my God, I'm going to throw up. Which is at the end of his field. For as much money as it is worth, he shall give it to me for possession of a burying place among you. Hi, hi, sorry, Abraham, right? Yeah, dude, you can bury your wife just wherever, wherever you want. Just please, please bury her. But if thou will give it, I pray thee, hear me, I will give thee money for the field. Oh, my God. I got on my shirt. I got on my shirt. Take it of me, and I will bury my dead there. Great. Sure. Whatever. Just uh, just give us whatever you want and bury your wife. Literally anything you want if you just bury your wife now. Great. Cool. You guys have a dustpan? Or like a, like a bucket? 
Slit. I mean servant. Servant, come to me. Hey. Put your hand under my thigh. I was... Sorry. What? It's a euphemism. Put your hand under my balls. Okay, this can't possibly be in the Bible. No, no, we Googled it like six times. Did you? All right. Okay. Oh, that's cold. That's cold. Yeah, sorry. wasn't wasn't expecting to, s- to swear an oath on on any balls today. Um, what do you want me to swear uh, on your balls? Swear to me, Isaac will not marry a Canaanite. Find him a nice pre-Jewish girl. Okay, you want me to swear uh, on your balls not to let your son marry a Canaanite? Yep. This is actually worse than I thought. Sorry. God, God. Um, I, I don't like to talk to the help. If you want to talk to maybe someone oh. else and then they'll... Okay, well, what if I told you I'm on a racist mission for my master whose instructions involved sexual harassment? So here's what you do, kid. Listen to me very carefully. There we go. Go to the fountain with your camels. Not domesticated for another thousand years. And ask for water. Okay. The first woman who gives you water, boom, that's who you're looking for. So the first person who's kind to me... I'm going to kidnap and bring back to marry my master's son. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly it. You got it. How is this book getting worse? Right? Yeah. Water. Anyone, please, can I have some water? Fuck off. Water, please. No. Please. Excuse me. Excuse me. Can I have some water? Sir, ma'am, ma'am, can I have some water? Sure. Sure. Here you go. Perfect. Perfect. What's your name? Um, Rebecca. Okay, Rebecca, great. I have to bring you back to marry my master now. Um, are you a virgin? I'm sorry, what? Uh, excuse me, sir. Sir, is this your daughter? Why, yes, it is. Yeah, you have to sell me your daughter. Um, I have the most amazing story. You're not going to believe this. Um, hello? See, my master is Abraham, who is greatly blessed by God. And, uh, I changed my mind. You can have your, you can't have your water. And yeah, he don't interrupt. He had, he had me grab his balls and swear he won't marry a Canaanite. Hello. Can anybody hear me? Okay. So God tells me the first woman who gives you water, you have to bring her back to your master's son. So God damn it. Yeah. So, uh, what do you say? Uh, swap your daughter for like a, a bracelet, I guess. Of course. Great. If it's commanded by God, but uh, maybe throw in some earrings. How has this book gotten worse? Right? I, I, that's funny. I was just saying that before. Crazy. Definitely worse. Isaac, here, I uh, brought your wife. Hi. Is she a Canaanite? Nope. Uh, double checked and everything. Okay. Definitely not. I feel better about my mom being dead now. Yeesh. You like Pokemon? Is that a sex thing? Yes. My children, gather round. Yes, father? Yes, father? No, just Isaac. Oh, oh okay, cool. To you, Isaac, I leave everything. Awesome. Okay, okay, but you have like half a dozen other kids, and we're all here. And to right, them, well, right here. And to them, I give uh, this lovely vase over here. Oh, a vase. Great. Now go away. Let Great. me be alone with my son. Also, your son. Bleh. Also. Gonna have so much money for Pokemon now? Hate you. Dear God, please give my wife Rebecca children. She's playing Buzzwall Garbodor right now and it's fucking garbage. 
Oh, God, I gotta tell you, this pregnancy is a bitch. I feel like the babies are fighting inside me. Well, uh, that's because you have two nations inside of you, not because I started a fetus fight club inside your body, just because I didn't. Okay, now it seems like you did. Well, I didn't. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first ever FFF Fetus Fighting Federation! Get him! Tear his tiny little arms off! In this corner, he's red, he's hairy, he's oh so scary, he's Esau! <laughs> I'm gonna fuck a bitch up! Eli, Eli, what the hell are you doing? I'm I'm doing Esau. That's Esau's voice. He's covered in red fur. Says right in the Bible. He's covered in red hair. Okay, but that sounds remarkably similar to. Alma. I have no idea what you are talking about, Noah. That is a voice I made oh. up. Okay. And in this corner, the heel grabber with no jibber jabber, Jacob. Woo! I'm I'm just a guy. Just a normal guy. Uh, a guy is fine. You're tall. I hate you guys. You're the thing. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. <coughs> and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. What? Okay, that that's that's a thing. I, I have a tent. That's my thing. Tent guy. I'm tent guy. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. Atta boy, son. Thanks, Dad. But Rebecca loved Jacob. That's it. Doesn't, doesn't say why. You're a good kid. Did you see my tent? I did. Yeah, I live there. It's kind of a thing. Tent. Tent I guy. I know you do. It's mine. My tent. It is. Yup. Lou, 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 doing tent stuff. Tent stuff is my favorite stuff, because I'm tent guy. Woo! Long day hunting in the field. So hungry and thirsty. Hey, Jacob! Oh, hey, Esau. Can I have some pottage and water? Some pottage? Yeah, it's lentil soup. Uh, sure. But, uh, but, uh, you gotta give me your birthright if I'm gonna give you the soup. Nope, nope. Gotta give me your birthright as a deal. Fine, you can have my birthright. And, and, you gotta admit, I'm a complex person with a variety of interests right here. Name something about yourself that isn't your job or physical appearance. I, just, just the birthright thing, whatever. Deal. And there was a famine in the land, so Isaac journeyed with his wife into the land of the Philistines, who again wouldn't live there for another 800 years. Man, Rebecca, we sure have been walking a while, huh? How is this book already this repetitive and boring? <laughs> you think this is bad? Here comes Abimelech. The king who your dad told your mom was his sister? Uh-huh. Hey, Abimelech. Hey, guys. How's it going? Nothing. This is my sister. Nice. A little young, but, uh, think I can dig it. Are you all fucking serious right now? Hey, uh, real quick, uh, this isn't your wife, right? Because I just went through a whole thing about this. Turned out super gross. Nope, nope, sister, I swear. 
Okay. And it came to pass, when he had been there a long time, and Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Charizard, baby. What? How are you even running a Charizard in your deck? I told you I'm packet loading now. You're going to get destroyed in the meta. Seriously? But Oh, uh, hey, Abimelech. Um... This is your wife? No, this is my sister. Dude, nobody's sister is going to play a CCG with them. This is clearly your wife. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, uh, new rule. Nobody touch these people. Because if you do, you might fuck one of them because they're fucking liars and get cursed by God twice in a goddamn row. Nobody touch them. Sorry. Sorry. Okay, feels like you guys should probably head out then. Okay. Can we finish the game? No, no, you're packet loading, and the moment you play somebody who isn't married to you, they're going to eat your dick on toast like peanut butter. But at the Nationals last year... Uh, the, the Nationals last year were amateur hour. Get out of here. And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son. Esau. Lost father? Go out. And get me some of that sweet venison before I die, okay? You got it, father! Lulu, Lou, doing tent stuff. Tent stuff's my favorite stuff. Jacob! Oh, hey. Hey, Mom. What's up? Look, your father just asked your brother to bring him some venison so he can bless him. You get in there and get the blessing instead. I don't know, Mom. Isn't that, uh, kind of tricky? Now, trust me, kid, you need all the help you can get. Yeah, but, but you saw us all hairy, and I'm, I, I want to say, well-groomed? Sure you are, kiddo. Here, take these goat skins and put them on your hands. Ew, this is gross. Are you sure this is going to fool Dad? Yeah, pretty sure the guy who laid down on a rock for Grandpa to stab is going to fall for this one. Okay, no, that's a solid point. Who, who's there? Hey, Dad, it's me, um, Esau. Esau, what, what happened to your voice? Um, head cold? Oh, those can be tough, I get it. Yeah, the tough head cold. Uh, Come here, let, Uh, let me touch you, my boy. I'm furry. Yes, those are the hands I know so well. Hairy and... A little bloody with movable skin. Blessing upon you, my son. I I give you my one and only blessing, my son. I love you the best. You're, you're the funny one. Cool, cool. Yeah, this is fun. This is fun. Dad, Dad, I'm back with the venison. Shit, um. Hold on, uh, I'm back with the venison. No, I just. What? What do you mean, back? The venison and my blessing. Well, then, who did I just give the blessing to? Jacob! Oh, uh, my bad. Well, can't you just, like, give me another blessing? Cause Fuck you. I already gave him my birthright for some lentils, and now I really... No, no, just... Just the one blessing, I'm afraid. Really? Yep, really. Uh, you're gonna live and die by the sword now, and serve your brother forever. Sorry. Oh, I am going to kill that asshole. 
Lulu Lou doing blessed tent stuff. Blessed tent stuff. It's my favorite stuff. I'm the funny one. Hey, hon. Hey, mom. Hey, you think of taking a trip to Laban? Huh? Does that sound fun? Um, maybe. Yeah, yeah, your brother isn't super happy with you right now. <laughs> so... I'm gonna pull his asshole out of his mouth! Yeah, no, L- Laban sounds fun. Jacob. Jacob, come to me. Yes, father? It's... Just checking, is that really you? Yep. Good, because, you know, you just tricked Yeah, no, so, sorry. Sorry about that. Look. About tricking. Look, mm-hmm. I have something very important to tell you. It's about marriage. You know, your brother, he already has three wives. Yeah, no, I know, I know. I don't like the phone. I don't like... Doesn't exist yet. Listen, so don't marry a Canaanite. Marry your cousin instead. No wonder the South likes this book. Ah, nice day of walking. Time for a nap. Jacob... Jacob! Jacob! Wake up! Oh, wow. A ladder that goes all the way up to heaven. I need to know. Are you going to worship me? Because you're going to, like, worship me, right? Uh, are you going to feed me and clothe me and stuff? Sure. Then yeah, man. Uh, you're my god. Great. Good. Uh, and a juice box. Cool. Juice box. You got it. Not grape. Grape is gross. Got it. And with Jacob's religion solidified in the same way colleges instill school spirit and student-athletes, we'll take a break, but we'll be back in a month with another installment of Bible Peace Theater. Before we retreat to our respective boroughs this week, I want to let you know that if you just can't get enough me in your life, be sure to check out the most recent episode of The Phil Ferguson Show. Phil and I chatted about podcasting, politics, and pedophiles, and you can find a link on this week's show notes. Anyway, that's all the blasphemy we've got for you tonight, but we'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show, The Skeptocrat, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Monday. An even newer episode of our sister show's Hot Friend Godawful Movies, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday. And an even newer episode of our half-sister show, Citation Needed, debuting at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Obviously, this wouldn't achieve full episode hood if I did and thank the newly older Heath Enright for powering his way through one of those depressing late 30s birthdays to be with us this week. I need to thank the lovely and talented Lucinda Illusions for making her triumphant return this week. I also want to thank the lovely in his own way Eli Bosnick for powering through one of those depressing fuck-now-I-have-to-move situations to be here. I also want to thank Jeannie in Vermont for providing this week's Farnsworth quote, and for what it's worth, Puzzle in a Thunderstorm endorses her fuck-a-lot-and-have-fewer-kids message. But most of all, of course, I want to thank this week's most marvelous mammals... Amy, Boots and Cats, Boots and Cats, Sarah, Jeremy, Jimmy, The Good Crabs, Thomas, Robert, Nate, Christopher, Mike and Ryan of the Unholy Generations Podcast, Neil, Jesse, Cheapskate, Shit Patron, Daniel, Jody, Ashley, and Alex, Tom, Cool. Amy, Boots and Cats, and Boots and Cats, Sarah, Jeremy, Jimmy, and The Good Crabs, who are so hot the sun wears them screen. Thomas, Robert, Nate, Christopher, Mike and Ryan of the Unholy Generations Podcast, and Neil, who could probably sue astronomy for proprietary use of the term astronomical unit. And Jesse, Cheapskate, Shit Patron, Daniel, Jody, Ashley, and Alex, Tom, Cool, whose intellects give cosmic microwave background radiation vast envy. Together, these 19 people podcast crustaceans, self-deprecators, and feline footwear options abetted our fart joke-based assault on theocracy this week by giving us money. Not everybody has the dedication to excellence and fart jokes it takes to give us money, but if you're up to the challenge, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad-free version of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres. Tim Robertson handles our social media, and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music that was used in this episode, which 
was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingadius.com. Worst. What he's trying to say is happy birthday, Morgan. Happy birthday, Morgan. The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.